It is I, Ryan, and Aaron. Uh, hey, um, empty house again, but uh, we're hoping perhaps next week we can get back into to the swing of things. So um, we're we're going to still go for it today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and I apologize. There's not any uh, lyrics set up. We're still fine-tuning all of this streaming thing. Uh, we got it to, so that the sound might sound okay today, so <laughs> we'll take that. Um, we'll get lyrics up uh, for sure next week. Um, so let's pray and we'll get started. Um, Jesus, I thank you that, um, I thank you for for my people, for this community, um, this church, and I just pray that um, as we're worshiping together today, again in this distant fashion, that um, your Holy Spirit uh, still transcends all of that. Still, God, you still move on our hearts, and and so we just invite your presence. Um, I just pray that you would be just just tangible, both here with us and, and for each person um, that is watching from home or wherever, um, even watching later um, the recording. Um, God, I just pray that your presence transcends all of that. And um, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is a, a new song for us. It's called Graves into Gardens. So since you're at home, you can, you can look it up if you want. Again, sorry, there's no words. So.
Okay, good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all here today. We're kind of trying a, a couple different things. I know we're like kind of throwing different stuff at you each week on the streaming side of things. Um, so hopefully this is all functioning properly. Um, I want to open up in a word of prayer for us this morning. Lord Jesus, we just, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you um, that you are a good God, that you love us, that you care for us, that you look out for us, God. Lord, um, we just give it all to you, Jesus. Lord, we give you everything, all that we are, all that we will be, all that we used to be, God. Our past, Lord, we lay it all on your altar. And we give it to you, God, as a sacrifice. Lord, we give you all that we are, all that we have been, and all that we will be. We give it to you, Lord. And we trust you with it, Jesus. 
We trust you with it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, Ryan, that, yeah, uh, it's got to be the main slides. Um, the computer up top, the, the monitor up above with the main computer, you can do it there and I'll pull it in. Sorry, guys, just a little technical stuff there. Yeah, just may, do those slides on that main computer for worship for the second set, and I'll, pull, I'll find a way to pull it in. I'll figure it out. Sorry, guys, tech, techie stuff. It's okay, we got it. Um, we're going to do a series this month called Grounded in Heaven and Working on Earth. We have to be a people who have an eternal perspective that walk through this life here on earth with an eternal perspective. You know, you often hear the phrase, you know, keep your feet on the earth or keep your feet firmly on the earth. And as I was kind of thinking about that, I was like, but we, as followers of Christ, we, as people of the way, our grounding should be in heaven. Our grounding should be in the kingdom of God. Our feet should be firmly planted in eternity and with a view of eternity and with a view of heaven. Yet our workplace, the place where we work, the place where we um, walk out our faith is, is here on earth. I've, I've often been frustrated. There's some Christian group, I can't even remember who they are off the top of my head at this point, but they talk about, they sing the song about how earth is not our home. And I actually, I take theological issue with that um, because the reality is God created the earth for us as a gift. And this earth is our home. It's the home that God created for us. Now, is it our eternal home? No, but it is our temporal home. It is our home where we, where we live and breathe and work and love and wrestle and, and struggle. Um, right now here today, Ryan, I'm not sure what happened with that. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, just close it out. Yeah, there you go. Um, hopefully I should be able to, is that tab chosen? Yeah, don't just step away. Yeah, it's working. Okay, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the help. Um, but like, this is not where we're, we're forever going to be, right? And so our, our long view, our long-term plan has to be heaven, has to be the future, has to be the kingdom of God. And all of us, you know, if we're lucky, most of us on the outside, we have about 100 years here on the earth, somewhere in there, you know, 80 to 100 roughly is the, is the like, kind of outside of most human life. How are we living those years? What are we doing with our time? Because the thing is, if, if we're about God's work, if we're about kingdom work, if we're about advancing the cause of Christ, of Jesus, what we do will echo and will ripple through eternity. Think of it as, as I was kind of trying to think of an illustration of this. If you've ever been up to the mountains where there's just this completely still lake up in the mountains, and if you take a rock and you throw it, the ripples just go out and out and out. And like, there's that initial point of impact that's fairly big, and then those ripples just continue. And what we do with our lives in the here and the now will have ripples throughout eternity. And we have to keep that in focus. We have to keep that in mind. We have to have that view in front of us as we walk out our years here on the earth. So let's be grounded in heaven. But let's have our efforts and our best energy and our, our hands in the earth caring for the earth, caring for each other, doing the work that God has laid before us. I had to find some funny meme for the new year, so this is what I came up with. 
Last year, you know, every year there's always a big celebration, right? Yay, it's a new year. This year's a little different. <laughs> We're more like Frodo. The ring has been thrown into Mount Doom. It is done. <laughs> it's finished. <laughs> You know, that's kind of how it feels. It's like everybody's kind of, there's this big collective sigh of relief. Okay, 2020 is over. You know, we have, we have hope for a new year. It's a new beginning, right? That's the general thought process. Um, but I want to challenge that this morning. See, as Christians, we have a little bit of a different view. See, the start of a new year doesn't necessarily guarantee that, like, everything's going to be okay. 2021, we could have, you know, sharks with lasers attached to their head attacking the shore. Or we could have, like, giant cats, you know, marching through the cities, destroying buildings. I mean, we just don't know, right? Aliens, there's been talk about aliens lately. Maybe aliens are going to come down and like start taking over the government. Who says they haven't already? The lizard people, they could be real. Aliens. You just don't know. As Christians, we don't set our lives to the calendar, to the January. See, in the traditional Christian calendar, the start of the new year begins at Advent. Advent in the Christian calendar, in the theological calendar, in the, in the, um, the church calendar, Advent is the beginning of the new year. Because it's Jesus that changes things, not the month of January. The month of January is just a date on a calendar. Yes, the Gregorians came up with the calendar for us that we all use still here today. But a date on the calendar, January 1st, means nothing in regards to changing the world. But Jesus does. And so that's why as Christians, our calendar begins at Advent. Because that is hope breaking in. That is the newness of God. That is Jesus Christ breaking into our current reality and changing our world. Jesus is the newness. Jesus is the change. Jesus is the one who can change everything. So our eyes must stay fixed on the person of Jesus. See, our world's changed in dramatic fashion this last year. The church, capital C, the big church, all of us who follow Jesus, we have to change as well. With what's happened with the pandemic, which what happened with um, the, the racial tensions, what's happened with politics, all of these things in 2020, collectively, they have created a change that is so dramatic and so drastic, I believe it's one of those significant turning points in the history of our nation and of our world where there are many things that are just, ne they're never going to go back to being the way they were. They're not. The old has passed, the new has come. Change can be a good and healthy thing, even if it is a little bit discomforting. I found this picture. See, this used to be a thing where, hey, cigarettes are really good for you. And there's a little baby saying, hey, mom, why don't you chill out and light up a smoke before you, like, get mad at me so that you can kind of chill out a little bit? You know, probably smoking in front of the baby or with the baby, right? Like, like here's these little babies encouraging mom to, to smoke a Marlboro. And that seems like really crazy to us now, right? Like, that seems like a really strange way of being, but that was normative at the time of these commercials in, in the 60s. That's a healthy change. We now know that secondhand smoke is probably really bad for babies. <laughs> it might not help their lung formation. It's probably not good for their respiratory system, right? Like, like that's a good healthy change. And so all change is not bad. All change is not negative. Just because something is different doesn't mean it's bad. 
And that can be really hard for a lot of us who we really like our comfort zone. We like things to kind of stay the same and be normative and for things. And I'm one of those people, so I'll confess that. I'm one of those people. I like stability. I like things to kind of be similar. I, I like, a f- I, I call it my flow of life. I like having a consistent flow of life without too many surprises. There's this old Chinese proverb that goes, may you never live in interesting times. May you never live in interesting times. Arguably, we have been living in interesting times, haven't we? I want to read through a section of 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19. Paul's saying this to the Corinthians. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though I myself, I'm not under the law, but I wanted to win those who are under the law. Paul continues on to say, To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I'm not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those. So as to win those. Not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. See, God has not called us to be removed from the world. God hasn't called us to create these little Christian bubbles where we only, you know, listen to our K-Love Christian music and we only eat food that has been prepared by the hands of Christians. And in the immortal words of Steve Taylor in a song back from the 80s, I'll only drink milk from a Christian cow. That is not what God has called us to. He's called us to be in the world. Not to be of the world, but to be in the world. He's called us to do as he did. Jesus took on flesh. He incarnated into the world. We are called to incarnate Christ again into the world around us. As Paul said, to the weak be weak, to the strong be strong, to those under the law be under the law, to those who are free from the law be free from the law. Whatever it takes to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what we are called to do. Whatever it takes. Now he also says that, you know, I'm still under Christ's law, right? This isn't like we get rid of our integrity or we go out and, oh, you know, well, a bunch of the guys are going to the strip club, so I'll better go to the strip club with them so that I can tell them about Jesus. That would not be good for Dusty. Dusty would fall. Dusty would sin. Dusty's wife would beat him 10 ways to Sunday and he would deserve it. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) But neither am I going to separate myself and shun And push away those guys who might go to that strip club because they need to know about Jesus. And so I might hang out with them. I might talk to them about Jesus. And maybe eventually I would have the opportunity through building relationship of of letting them know why that's probably not a healthy thing for them to be doing. It's not healthy for them. It's not healthy for the young ladies who are doing this. It's not healthy for their families. You know, I might have an opportunity to do that through relationship But separating myself, dividing me from them, pushing them away because they are sinning, because they are doing something that I don't agree with, 
It's not the heart of God. And it's antithetical to what 1 Corinthians 9 tells us to do. It's antithetical to what Paul himself demonstrated in his life. It's against the word of God for you to divide yourself from someone based on how you think they might not be walking out their life. It's against the gospel. I would even argue, go so far as to say it's anti-Christ to divide ourselves from those whose life we might not agree with. Only by living in the neighborhood, being part of the neighborhood, being part of the community, can we be an integral part of it. We can't be separate from a community and still be a vital part of it. It doesn't work. To advance God's kingdom so that they might see Jesus, we have to be woven into the community. The Yakima Vineyard Church this coming year, we have to be woven into our community. We have to be an integral part of our community. We have to be inseparable from the greater community of Yakima. God is calling us, has called us, is going to continue to call us to be part of the community in Yakima County for the purpose of advancing the cause of Jesus and the good news of the gospel to Yakima. It's what we're called to do. I want to continue reading on in 1 Corinthians 9. We've reached verse 24. So starting at verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into a strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, we run, we train, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, Paul continues, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. To show an old picture, this was my basketball team in high school. I'm the one mean mugging on the far left, the second one from the far left there. Uh, why am I showing you this? Athletics, basketball specifically that I'm going to be talking about this morning. Paul's talking about beating our bodies into submission and making ourselves train hard so that we can be strong enough to finish the race. See, the first day of practice, the very first day, I remember every year, our coach, Coach Howell, his name was Chuck Howell, was our coach. Mr. Howell, um, he would have us run lines. If you've never run lines, running lines is you start at that outside line, the out-of-bounds line, and then you run to each line successively until you get across the court. And he'd call out a number, like 25. So 25 times we'd run to each line. So no, that means 25 times clear across the court, hitting each line back and forth. And that first day usually... He would have us run until we were either about so lightheaded that we were going to pass out, or I remember one year I had to run into the bathroom and throw up because I pushed myself so hard. It was brutal that first day. And then he and the assistant coaches, they would time us and figure out like how long it took us to do lines. And here's, here's the thing. It would change. Inevitably, it would change from the first day of practice. And then after our final game, we would all get together for one more practice. We would do practice, and then we'd go out to eat. And so he would have us run lines again. 
and check our times from that first day that we ran lines to the last day after our season that we ran lines and look at the improvement. And there was always, inevitably, our times improved and we got better and we got stronger and we could run harder and our cardio would last longer and, and we were just better. Our physique was better. Our energy level was better. Our cardio was better. Our breathing was better. It didn't take as much effort to run the lines as it did that first day. But our effort was 100% required. And the greater you pushed yourself, the harder we pushed ourselves in practice, the better players we were and the stronger we were and the harder we can run and the longer we could run. I was on a really small team. There weren't a whole lot of substitutes. So all of us were running almost all the time, every game. And so you had to be ready. Basketball, you're just, you're constantly going. It's not like baseball where like they'll call something and then everyone's standing around for 10 minutes trying to figure out what's going on. Basketball, you just go. And without that training, without that effort, we wouldn't have made it. As Christians running the race that Paul's talking about. Our training consists of a few of these things. These are just a few things. We have to be in the Word. We have to read Scripture. We have to be in our Bibles. We have to be getting God's Word into us. It's part of our training. It's part of our spiritual conditioning that we must have. We have to communicate. We have to pray with our Jesus. If we're not talking to God, if we're not speaking to the Lord, our relationship with God gets stronger and gets better with the more effort that we put into it. It's like any relationship. The more effort you put into your relationship, the stronger it will be. Whether it's human or if it's with God, our effort matters. Our work at it matters. We have to live out both what Scripture teaches and with what the Lord's speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. Both are necessary. Both are vital. As Paul said, we have to train. We have to become true disciples. We have to be followers of Jesus who are ready and who are prepared for the race that we have ahead of us. We have to be ready. And that takes discipline, and that takes training, and that takes learning to be a real disciple of God. I want to read 1 Peter. We're going to read 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. So it says this, Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy, For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminished. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with grief and many trials. But these only reveal the sterling core of your faith which is far more valuable than gold that perishes. For even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the Anointed One, is finally revealed. You love him passionately, although you did not see him. But though believing, through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. For you are reaping the harvest of your faith, the full salvation promised you, your soul's victory. 
See, that's that eternal perspective. First Peter here is talking about that eternal perspective, that eternal hope. And through the trials that we're going through, through the difficulties that we're going through, it's that refiner's fire. Any of us who grew up charismatic, Pentecostal, you probably know the song, refiner's fire, it's reference to this scripture. God is a constantly in a process of refining us and trial and difficulty. And if we can maintain our integrity and remember who we are in Christ as we go through difficulty, that will make us stronger. It's part of the training process. Trials and difficulty, pain is part of the training process. Pain is part of the training process. It hurts. Running until you're throwing up sucks. It hurts. It's painful, but it also made me stronger. When I'm going through times, when I pray to God, and it feels like he's just not there, or he's not answering, or I don't get the Holy Spirit goosebumps, and those times happen, and I've experienced them this year. But we continue to endure. We continue to push through. We continue to keep that eternal perspective. We continue to train in our relationship with God, even when it's difficult and even when it's hard. It makes us better equipped to carry the gospel to where it needs to go. I wanted to end with this. This is a Franciscan benediction. I want to pray this over all of us for this next new year. So may God bless you with discomfort. Discomfort at easy answers. Half-truths and superficial relationships. Discomfort so that you will live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger. Anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people. Anger so that you will work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears. Tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, starvation, and war. Tears so that you will reach out to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And finally, may God bless you with foolishness. Foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world. Foolishness, so that you will do what others claim cannot be done. Amen. There's this quote by John Wimber that I love. He talks about something very similar to this. He says, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? See, all of us follow somebody. All of us follow something. The only safe place for us to place our foolishness is in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the only safe place to play, place it. Don't place it in any man. Don't place it in any woman. Don't place it in any system. Don't place it in any institution. The only place where our foolishness and our effort and our work and our training is truly safe is in the person of Jesus Christ. I want to end with this. There's, um, I think it was Charles Spurgeon who once said that I would that I always preach Christ and him crucified. And that's, that's my hope as well. My, my hope for when I'm speaking, my hope for the Yakima Vineyard Church is that we're always lifting up the name of Jesus Christ because he's the only one who is worthy of our worship and worthy of honor and worthy of glory. Um, I'm going to have my friends come up. We're going to end with a couple of worship songs. And thank you guys for joining us this week. Oh, and as Ryan mentioned at the beginning, in case you joined us later, our intention is to um, have in-person church this next week. Dave and I are watching the 
cases of COVID both within our church and outside of our church and prayerfully trying to be as wise as we can. So just please know that um, we're just trying to approach it with wisdom. Thank you, guys. Fortress, my 
simplest stuff are love songs I want to bring to you So I let my words be few Jesus, I am so in love with you. And I'll stand in awe of you. Jesus, yes, I'll stand. Stand in awe of you, Jesus, and I'll stand in awe of you. I am so in love. Jesus, I am so in love. Jesus, I am so in love with you. Jesus, we love you, and um, just give us the, the strength and the, the, the focus to stay close to you this week. Um, yeah. In Jesus' name, amen.